And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. Here he is, Michael Savage. So it's the day after the Super Bowl, and people are hungover, they're depressed, they got nothing to look forward to. They live through the sports figures, they live through the entertainers, and now there's nothing to look forward to. It's a horrible world, it's blue. They ate too much pizza, they feel sick, they think they're going to get a heart attack. They have a gastric upset, they're positive they got cancer from the pepperoni. They're absolutely sure they gained three or four pounds from one day of beer and pizza, but they can't stop themselves. And they look in the mirror, they don't know why they're not married to Giselle Bundeschen, and they don't understand why they can't throw a ball like that. And they got to get on a subway, they got to ride on the Northern State Parkway, the Southern State Parkway, 280, 380, 480, Highway 1, Highway 5. They have no idea what happened to their lives. So we all do the same thing. We turn to the media for our salvation. Savage. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989898 with an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989898. Since the church is largely dead for the American people, they don't believe in anything except whatever, the media is now the outlet for most people's uh, hopes, dreams, desires, and hatreds. And so we turn into certain radio shows, TV shows, movies, and whatever, either to love them or hate them or do both at the same time, myself included. I recognize that. We, in essence, are your inspiration and your punching bag. I can't review all the topics I touched on because there are too many and they're too numerous. We're talking about everything from why the Republicans are likely to lose in the general election because they're running a sheep in sheep's clothing uh, in, in Romney against a uh, wolf in sheep's clothing in uh, Obama. And uh, Fatso has so undermined uh, Romney that there's almost no way for Romney to ever recover his equilibrium after what Fatso and, and, and the neuron deficient Ron Paul and uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Vest did to him. So here we are. We're sitting here. We're watching TV. Uh, I know every. I noticed that after this, every every TV, every, all the big pizza companies are running specials. It's amazing. I try to avoid pizza, but it's my favorite food. It's one of the foods I can't resist. The two foods I can resist: French fries and pizza. But I mean, they're horrible for me, right? Ten dollars for a limited time only. Now this this company's eleven dollars for a pizza. Even a guy like me who's allergic to dairy and cheese, I'm tempted to have a pizza tonight. 
I mean, I'll wash it down with beer and have, why am I doing it? You know what? I won't feel as bad as I did from the healthful Japanese food last night. I'll tell you right now. All right, so my joints won't work. I'll hobble around the house in the morning. I won't be able to move from the pizza and beer fest, but it would be well worth it compared to what I felt last night from the from the healthful Japanese meal I had. I varied. I went off the menu into the, the buckwheat noodles because I know that they're anti-cancer, you know, on a minor level. And I'm going to tell you, that's it's an interesting story. The hydrocyanic acid-rich foods, which we've eliminated from our diets, is a fascinating story. You know, you look at apple seeds. They have HCN in them, hydrocyanic acid, which uh, inhibit the growth of cancer cells. Theoretically, of course, you can't prove it, but it's a very interesting theory that has great science, a good science attached to it. And it is somewhat connected to the debunked lateral theory of uh, anti-cancer th- uh, a work, which is along the same lines. But you, you take a look at the foods that your grandmother used to eat. She lived to 39, probably. But let's say a healthful ancestor who lived a long time. The mythical ancestor who lived a long time. All of my ancestors died young, so it doesn't matter. In my case, everything is an anomaly. I remember when I, and I don't want to go down that road. I've done it. It's not even funny. They're all dead and let them rest in peace. Everyone dead before 50. So to me, each day is a miracle. And so today I go to the nursery because it's already early spring, as you well know, uh, everywhere but in Al Gore's mind. Alaska has the worst, like one of the most ferocious winters on record. And you'll notice that the media doesn't show you the snow in Rome as well. You know, because there's a big myth, global warming, because it's warm in America. They want you to think it's universally warm and the world is rotting. The glaciers, I mean, the, the, the bears are screaming for your help. But there's, ro- there's snow in Rome. They're freezing to death in Brussels. Alaska is buried under tons of snow. The ice packs are reforming. Uh, okay, so the jet stream's running a little higher. That's the whole point than it normally does. It's the only reason we don't have that much precipitation and why we have a rather mild winter. So here in Northern California, it seems like the winter is over, largely. And um, I'm a man of the earth. I'm a natural man, which is why you love the show. I sound like a natural person. I am a natural person with all of the flaws attached to nature. Don't consider me, uh, you know, a rose. I mean, the barbs and all of that. You look at a rose. Why does a rose have thorns on the to keep you from picking the rose? Why does a strawberry have barbs on it? If you look at a strawberry under a microscope or a magnifying glass, a str- even a strawberry has barbs on it. Why? Why does it? Why are there barbs on on the berries? Right? Barbs on your berries? The same reason we as Americans should still have barbs on our berries, but no longer do. We have been debarbed on our berries, which is why our berries are being eaten by our enemies. That's a good analogy. So, being a natural man, I know that it's very late winter. Winter's over here. It's a mild winter to begin with. So I go to the nursery today because my orchard was denuded a little bit this year. I have a small orchard on a certain property. And I love peaches. I love apricots. And my peach trees were allowed to die by a gardener who ignored them. And I can't pay attention to every tree and every, you know, figment of grass that I own. So instead of complaining about it, I go to a nursery. You know, it's one of the most, I don't know, renewing things you could do. I, I hate to sound so PC, but it's very renewing to go to a nursery nursery in late winter, early spring. And they have like the the, the uh, uh, apricot trees are in, the peach trees are in from Oregon. And there's, of course, no fruit on them. There's no leaves on them. But they're beautiful. They're so filled with promise. And you realize that tree in 30, 40 years, you know how big that thing is going to be? It's beautiful. So I bought three trees today. I bought two peach trees and a pear tree. And you say, well, why would you do that? Why? Why do you do anything? You've got you, you to believe in something. And so I believe in survival. 
And I believe that uh, survival is as good an organizing principle as anything on the planet. Which brings me back again to the political world, which is why I am not a Democrat, why I hate socialists, and why I hate liberals. Because they are the wolves in sheep's clothing. They want to steal our freedoms. They want to take us away from our founding uh, documents. They want to take us away from our free republic and turn us into a chained republic. That's why. I don't want to be ruled by a bunch of uh, sheep, uh, wolves in sheep clothing. I'm sorry. I don't go for their line that they're for the poor and the downtrodden and the weak. They're the most aggressive, vicious people I've ever encountered in my life. They've done more harm to me personally in my life uh, than any other social or political group. The hardcore liberal, are they're dangerous. They're vermin. They're the most... Okay, I've said all I want to say. Anymore, I'm going to start to sound illiterate. And as you well know, I'm probably the most literate man in the history of the American media. That's the major media. Of course, there are people more literate than I, but no one ever heard of them. Most of them are in England and no one reads them. They usually commit suicide from too much alcohol and cigarettes. But some of them are quite brilliant. I mean, they, they are. You know, they have, But don't be fooled by accents. I want to tell you something about accents for a minute. When I was young, because I was an immigrant son, I thought that anyone with an English accent was high class and brilliant. But it takes more than an accent to be high class and brilliant, by the way. I met some of the lowest people on earth with great accents and terrific clothing. I'm not going to say likewise, the reverse is true, because it is true. I've also met people in our overalls or, or noblemen, and we all know that's true. So don't underestimate a man just because he speaks differently than you, and don't overestimate a man because he's particularly eloquent. Okay? Just watch out for the wolves. That's all I can tell you. And, you know, after watching that movie Grey, and I see the wolf packs hunting humans, circling them and ripping them to shreds, uh, even if it was fictionalized, I start to see the world in a different way now. It's like now even when I'm driving, it's almost like a paranoid reaction. Now every other car is like a wolf. I don't mean I see a wolf's face. I'm not saying that. But in other words, you know how you're driving a highway and you're like making sure that the Priuses will pretend that they're sheep but they're really wolves? See, like Prius drivers are all wolves driving sheep cars. But they're the most aggressive SOBs in the history of the, of the uh, uh, American Autobahn. They cut you off in the right lane. They give you a finger. They all have an Obama bumper sticker or some other lecture point on the, on the rear of their car. Horrible human beings, all wrapped up in, a, in an automobile. So as I say to you, everything starts to look a little different to me now. My father was 100% right. Don't trust anybody. I'll be right back. Savage. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. Remember Anthony Weiner, the sex scandal with the texting of himself? Remember that story, how hot that was? I mean, I fully expect by segment five of uh, the HBO series with Dustin Hoffbrown uh, that Anthony Weiner will do a cameo with Dustin Hoffbrown and Dennis Farina on luck playing another gangster. And there's no, there's no question in my mind that Anthony Weiner wants to come uh, make, make a TV career out of uh, playing a gangster like Dustin Hoffbrown. I mean, uh, I'm positive. I mean, there's nowhere else for him to go if he's a failed politician from Brooklyn. What else could he do but play a gangster? I have no idea why, but that's that seems to be their role model, most of these actors. Wow, what callers I got on everything. Romney not a lamb. Tina in Florida, go ahead, you're on the Savage Day. How do you know Romney's not a lamb? Dr. Savage, I think you're underestimating Mitt Romney's character. He is a very nice man, but he is no lamb. He was in, He got elected in the bluest state, the most corrupt state of Massachusetts. No, I understand. I didn't say he's a lamb. I said he's a sheep. Oh, well, I, I, said, I said he's a sheep in sheep's clothing. Okay, but let's not split hairs. Don't you think he's too um, mild 
to compete with the wolf in sheep's clothing? No, I, I don't think you've seen his side. You're underestimating that he was in business for many years. But here, no, I'm not not. Listen, I'd like him to win, but here's the problem. I heard three weeks ago the the death knell of the Romney campaign, when he had the opportunity to sink his teeth into Obama's horrendous track record as a president. You know what he said? He said Obama's not a bad man. He's just over his head. I heard those same words from McCain, and that's when McCain lost the election. See, this is what I'm saying to you. The very same so-called campaign advisors who destroyed uh, McCain, who took McCain's equivocations or weaknesses and made them even more pronounced, are going to do the same thing to Romney, which is why Romney can't win. Romney won't come on the Savage Nation. Romney won't come on other conservative talk show, shows. And Romney wants you to vote for him. He'll get the Republican vote for sure. But he needs that magical 15% of swing voters. He's not going to get them. They're not going to go to Obama necessarily. They're just going to stay home unless he gives the conservative or Tea Party base, if you will wish to put it that way, because to me, Tea Party is welcome here. Tea Party is not yet a dirty word. I notice everybody else in the media suddenly taking the lead of the Congressional Black Caucus and the corrupt Democrat-controlled unions and have started to slam the Tea Parties as though they're the Nazi Party uh, revisited, which is furthest, furthest thing from the truth. To me, Acorn is the Nazi Party revisited, and the unions are acting more like the brown shirts uh, than any other group in the United States of America. But the fact of the matter is, Tea Party people, they're still out there, whether they're as organized as another story, they're not going to come out in force to vote for a meek sheep in sheep's clothing like Romney, unless Romney goes in for the, for the I'm sorry to say, the kill, uh, and really takes Obama on where he's vulnerable, on his tyrannical moves, on the uh, NDAA, which he happens to agree with, which is shocking, and that's another giveaway. At a certain point, I'm afraid to tell you this, not that much difference on some fundamentals between the two. And that's why people will say, well, you know what? I'll stay with this guy. I don't want to try anyone new. So, I mean, I can only do what I can do. And I can joke about things only so much. And then it becomes very, very agitating to see what this man, Obama, wants to do to our Constitution, which is shred it. I played the soundbite four times in the first hour. I'll play it again right now till you finally hear it. Listen to it again. Wait, as he talks to... As he talks to the subterranean Matt Lauer on, on NBC. What's frustrated people is, is that I have not been able to force Congress to implement every aspect of what I uh, said in 2008. Well, you know, it turns out that uh, our founders designed a system that makes it more difficult to bring about change than I would like sometimes. So he talks to the subterranean Matt Lauer that he can't force Congress to do what he wants. And Matt Lauer, the subterranean, instead of saying, wait a minute, Mr. President, that's what a separation of powers was created for, was to prevent men from becoming dictators. Instead, the useless subterranean, useless to the American freedom lovers, uh, but very useful to the dictators, sits there like the uh, dummy he is, and he lets him get away with that, which is why NBC uses subterraneans uh, at at every turn. So it's very worrisome indeed when there is no vocalism against what Obama has done. And and it's really frightening to see the tyrannical maneuvers that he and his advisors have conducted and gotten away with. I'll give you another big one. The greatest foreign policy disaster in American history in my lifetime that I can see, one of the greatest foreign policy disasters has emerged under Obama, and that is meddling in the Arab world. 
the exact opposite of what these politicians are telling you has occurred is is occurring they call it the arab spring when it's the arab winter a term i phrased which was picked up by everybody in the media without attribution which is the way it is when you're Lao Tzu. but the fact of the matter is here we are here we are we have an arab winter where fascists are emerging in every nation that was destabilized by george soros's money by jimmy carter and Ms. brzezinski's uh, architecture by Hillary Clinton's public relations you have the Arab Crescent in on fire and Obama sits there on his throne acting as though everything is fine and everything he's touched is, has come up like roses instead of saying a word about it Mitt Romney is has been rather silent on this instead he's let fatso rip him to shreds I mean, Rip Romney could have said a hundred times to Fatso, look, you know what you're doing? You're undermining the Republican Party. You're undermining the Republic itself. Why don't you just get off the stage because you are a useless idiot? And what you're doing, Mr. Gingrich, is destroying any chance to bring down this dictatorship. Now, everybody would have loved him for that. But again, he played Mr. Nice Guy because he is a nice guy. He is too nice for the job. So in other words, Romney is not the wolfhound that you think he is you see what i'm saying and he's being attacked at every turn by a pack of wolves on both sides of the aisle savage the savage nation it's savage uncut unfiltered and raw i guess the most uh, significant thoughts to come out of this show uh, uh, are exposing the differences between the candidates, Romney versus Obama, with Obama being a, a, a wolf in sheep's clothing. Now he attacks the Constitution of the Founding Fathers, and he gets away with it because he goes before the subterranean Matt Lauer on NBC. It's exact, he says, oh, the Constitution is a little cumbersome. I can't get all the, I can't force Congress to do what I want. And the subterranean Matt Lauer sits there like the useful stooge that he uh, is supposed to be, that he's paid for to be. Uh, without saying, but Mr. President, that, that's exactly what was supposed to happen to prevent people like you from taking over everyone's life from cradle to grave. Instead, the subterranean who works for General Electric sits there and blinks, says nothing. I don't even think he understands this, this schmuck. Personally, I don't think Matt Lauer even understands what freedom is. A man like he, like him, is not a free man. This man is a, a creature of the prison of NBC, the prison of, of major media. Let's put it to you that way. So now we come to Ramney. Ramney, as I say, is, I think, too meek for this job, too nice. And I mean that in a positive way. Unfortunately, it's true. You've got to remember that the man is a devout Mormon. And in that sense, he's a, he's a kind, wonderful human being. You've got to remember he was also a missionary for a couple of years because Mormons are missionaries. They have to be in order to remain members of the church. I remember I, the years I worked in the Fiji Islands, Tonga, I met several Mormon missionaries they're wonderful people. In fact, that's how many of the islanders be, be, became Mormons and uh, remain Mormons is because of the missionaries. Uh, good for them, too, or else they'd, uh, they'd have a, a much worse life than they currently have in their, in their island paradises, stated sarcastically. So, therefore, as a former missionary, he's, he's a very good man. Now, you compare a communist street agitator to a former missionary. Let me ask you, who's more vicious? Who's more likely to go for the jugular during a debate? That's what I'm talking about. Who is hungrier to win? Who is hungrier to win for winning's sake? The communist street organizer or the missionary? Who's going to win that? Who's going to win that battle? 
Okay, so let's go to the callers. Miguel in Texas, welcome to the Savage Nation. Go ahead, please. Yes, uh, Rodney is certainly um, a good guy and he was a missionary, but the reality is that he also was a business capitalist. He could not actually be successful in their ventures, and making $250 million just would be a nice guy. He made decisions, he actually fired people, and he got rid of the garbage that was encumbering all those companies. Some of them made successful the ones that he couldn't dispose of them. There's no Mr. Nyagas there. He actually had to make... Well, yes, I agree with you, but there are different levels of predator. In other words, uh, the wolf is, let's say, the alpha predator in, in some sense, but we don't know what level of uh, predator Romney might actually be in his heart of hearts. I mean, how how strong-hearted is he for this battle? Is what I'm asking you. Well, it, it might be that you know. Remember, when he was bring up in the Mormon religion, he's always put in a face of my guy. And he, but remember also, he had all these strength. I mean, when he was a youngster, I read that he went and opposed the the, the guys that were opposing during his time. His time for this you know, the war in, in, in Vietnam. So he was actually, he hasn't shown, you know, those flashes of strength. Yeah, well, let's, let's look at the, the coming debate between Obama and Romney. Who's going to get more vicious? Definitely Obama is going to get vicious, but if there is a reaction similar to what happened to Romney after being a nice guy in South Carolina and he came back roaring back, if he does that, then I, I, I take my lumps with Romney. I think that he will, he will be able to put Well, up- I hope you're right. Maybe Gingrich was a trial by fire for him, and in that sense, maybe there's a value to the to Fatso having been so malicious. Maybe you toughen Romney up to, to the game he's in, he's in. I don't know. Thank you for the call. I really don't know, and let's hope for the best. Um, but this Obama uh, and his attack on the Constitution is perhaps the most worrying thing and the most telling thing about this tyrannical administration I have yet seen, I mean, everything this man does indicates he would like to have a constitutional convention and do away with anything that is impediment to absolute power. Florida, John, welcome to the Savage Nation. Go ahead, please. Good evening, Dr. Savage. How are you, sir? Yeah, I just wanted to make a quick comment uh, in regards to the comment that Obama made, Obama, rather, um, when he can get up there and and, and say, you know, word for word what he said, that the, the, the Constitution makes it you know, tougher for him to make changes than he would like. You know, that's kind of scary. I mean, there's obviously an underlying, you know, tone there. Um, in, in but what did you hear what he said to, to the subterranean Matt Lauer? He said he's not only been able, he's not always been able to force Congress to do the things he wanted. Emphasis on the word force. Force is directly related to the word fascist. You understand that, of course. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm a fairly new listener, not to cut you off, Dr. Savage. I'm a fairly new listener. I've been listening probably since about 06. Uh, if there was nobody else, uh, you know, speaking the words you speak and studying the way you study, um, I, I don't know where I would be personally in regards to my young family and, and what I'm trying to teach them. Um, you know, I just look forward to you being on the air for another 30 or 40 years, I can tell you that. Well, that, that's not going to happen, John. First of all, well, I don't want to say that. It won't happen. It won't be 30 years. So, but let's let it hang in the air. You know, every day is another day uh, in heaven uh, and another day in paradise. And I do appreciate what you, what your call was about. I get the meaning of it. So I don't want to beat up this whole thing on the Constitution because it's a good way to to drive an audience away. Most people could care less about the U.S. Constitution. They care more about 
the aging Susie who should be home uh, baking, uh, making lasagna instead of throwing herself around like she's a naked hot chick uh, than they do about the U.S. Constitution. That's all I can tell you. Now, one thing has nothing to do with the other, but that's the way it is. I'm still amazed uh, by the uh, the Super Bowl halftime ad by Clint Eastwood, which is a big buzz thing, you know. Now he came came out today and he said there was no politi- politics involved. He's not an Obama supporter. It seems that he's backtracking. What do I know? I'm a fan of Clint Eastwood. Everyone can do what they want. It's a free country. To me, it looked like he was calling for auto bailouts. That's my interpretation. Does that make him a bad guy? It doesn't make him a bad guy. Maybe he thought the auto bailout was a good thing. The fact of the matter is we the U.S. taxpayer took it in the, in the shorts for $1.4 billion on the bailout of Chrysler, and Fiat was the big winner. In plain English, the Obama regime gave $1.4 billion to Fiat, an Italian auto company, in their bailout of Chrysler. You do the math, and you figure out the money trail, and then you think if you ever figure out where some of that money has ever come back to him, how would I know? Well, we got some amazing calls on this wolf thing, uh, but this is more fun than what I'm going to take now. Jonathan in New York on WOR, go ahead, please. Shalom, shalom, great Dr. Savage. I want to thank you with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Uh, please, let's not, let's not go through the the, the salams. I appreciate them. What's on your mind? Uh, I just want to thank you so much. You saved, uh, you saved a relationship with my girlfriend. That means all the beautiful stars out there from Yahweh. Created, but you save a beautiful relationship. Well, how, well, 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 sir, sir, let's start again. Are you a liberal or a conservative, and is she a liberal or a conservative? Uh, we're both independent thinkers now. I, w- I was an independent thinker for a long time, you know, being raised with a great Irish family, but um, she was a hardcore, hardcore liberal, and I just had to keep playing you over the years. I remember when you were on TV in 94. Yes, I had a sterling three-month career. I remember seeing you. But because day. I was not a sufficient subterranean, I didn't last any longer on the General Electric, General Electric subsidiary. Uh, apparently, they wanted someone a little more subservient, a little more subversive. Well, I love you, Mike. Which is about all they have. Is about all they have now are subversives and subterraneans. I mean, that's why they pay those marionettes to hate America and the Constitution and call for a dictatorship in more words than one. Uh, so, how did I save the, the relationship? Make it simple for the average listener. Well, we started, I was, I was doing gardening work for a long time in my life, you know, digging into the earth. And All right, I appreciate it. It's too ready, too personal. I'm exhausted. It's like eating scallions right now. I, I don't want to eat scallions. It's like a mental scallion I was about to eat. I think I want to have a pizza caller. I want a caller right now that is satis- as satisfying as a sausage pizza and a beer. <laughs> That's what I like. I, why are all of the, you know, like yesterday was the second biggest pizza sale day in America, the Super Bowl day, which is understandable. But what, so they carry it over. They want the, the sales boost the second. They, they keep it at $10. I, there's a crook pizza guy in the area where I live. You know how much I paid for a pizza? $26 a month ago. I'll never go back to that crook again. And it, it had almost no what, what, what it had no sauce on it. That's the latest trick, by the way. You notice how they cheat you on sauce because tomatoes are expensive. They are cheating you on sauce. That's the latest trick of the corporate pizza, is to give you almost no sauce. So you have to ask for extra sauce to make it taste like an actual piece of pizza. Everything is extra. Give me a pizza with extra cheese, extra sauce, and extra crust, because basically what you're selling me is like matzo with ketchup on it. That's basically what you're getting. It's like leftover matzah with a little, you know, dried out ketchup sauce on it. Ohio, Dave, welcome to the Savage Nation. What's on your mind? 
Uh, Michael, I wanted to know, since you paint the, the, you paint the best pictures of San Francisco, especially in um, Abuse of Power, I've been right. only once to the city, okay? Right, And it's, right. it was late September, beautiful, but I, right. wanted, and I want to come back. I want to know okay. when is the best weather-wise time to, to experience the things that you have painted out in, you know, on the radio and in the book. That's a beautiful, beautiful question, because my street descriptions and abuse of power, I think, equal or exceed anyone who's ever written about San Francisco. Uh, there's no question. I know what you're referring to. I'll bet you a million dollars. Well, I'll bet you a dollar that one of the scenes you're referring to in the book, Abuse of Power, is when Jack and Tony are walking uh, up over the crest of a hill down, and they see the bay down below, and it's China blue. I'll bet you that scene sticks in your mind, right? Right, right, in North Beach. Right, Exactly. And the lighting in North Beach, the Italianette buildings and the way the light hits the buildings at a certain time. Look, this is winter now still, early spring. It's beautiful time of year. The light is especially gorgeous right now. Summer can be very foggy. It's not the best time to visit San Francisco. Frankly, when the rains are over, it's going to rain here tomorrow, but then we get sun usually after rain for a few days. Gorgeous. The lighting is, is still is superb. But you want to see the bay in the winter? That's when it's China blue. The, the the China blue color of San Francisco Bay that I describe in Abuse of Power is seen only in wintertime, incidentally. What other descriptive scenes stick in your mind? I'm very curious. This is a very interesting call for me. Well, I, other than that one, I mean, just, just your depictions of the water. I mean, to, to think of, yeah. of sort of crashing. But here is what maybe you can put in your next book, a description. My first time arriving in the city from the BART from the airport to the BART station underground, I got out in Mission Street, and it was 11.30 at night, and there was this eerie, bizarre, I'd never seen anything like this fog in my life. It was like another planet, Michael. Yes. Well, do you, do you like fog? Do you want to see fog? I'd never seen that kind of fog. Well, if you liked the experience, the, myst- the mystic feeling of fog come in August, when uh, it's the foggiest in San Francisco. Your call's breaking up. You know, every time I drive over the Golden Gate Bridge at night after a radio show and you see those red, the, the reddish-orange towers, the way they're painted, I look up at the towers and they played such a prominent part in my novel, Abuse of Power. It astonishes me that how, the level of illiteracy in the San Francisco Bay Area, the level of bigotry and illiteracy is at an epidemic level in the Bay Area. Unless a novel proffers the subterranean subversive view of the world unless it proposes an anti-american anti-family anti-church anti-police anti-military view the novel does not exist that is how paltry the so-called literary community has become in the san francisco bay area it does not exist it exists only in their own minds. They're living in another world, and the world, unfortunately, is very, very limited for the sake of literature, which is why I think I've achieved some new new highs. In the, I'm sure that Abuse of Power and Time will be seen for what it is. It's actually a masterpiece. I'm, I'm working on the next one right now in the midst of this other nonfiction coming out. I'm actually in the midst of the next Jack Hatfield adventure, if you can believe it. He's a lovely character. Everyone loves the name Jack Hatfield. Based upon a true character, a few true characters that I know melded into into one. Uh, but I have some changes coming up in the next one. I don't want to get ahead of myself. It's a year from now. Big changes. I could ask you some questions about it. I don't even know if... Did you like the fact, if you read Abuse of Power, that one of the heroes was a Muslim woman? Did you, were you, did you like that or did you not like that? It's an interesting question. 
because I don't know who's made a Muslim woman a hero. Here I make a Muslim woman a hero because, as you know, most Muslim women oppose the mullahs. They want them out of their lives. They don't like them telling them they can't drive a car, uh, etc. And yet you would think as a result of that, there'd be a huge audience amongst modern Muslim men and women. But there hasn't been. So I, I didn't write that in in order to get Muslims to buy the book, but I'm shocked at how limited the level of literacy is in America. But then watching that skank from New Jersey cavorting on the stage yesterday at halftime uh, tells me everything I've ever known. Uh, and you couple that with this guy, Dustin Halfbrown, uh, on luck. And you realize that the American mind is, is quite rigid, incapable of, of even distinguishing between one form of art and another. I mean, Dustin Halfbrown, who is on uh, Halfbrown, what's his name, Hoffman? Okay, Halfbrown. Dustin Hoffbrown, who is on this series, Luck, playing a, a Jewish, an aging Jewish gangster, Abe, is, 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 is laughable. Again, with, with a guy next to him, Dennis Frina, who I swear to God, it looks like Lacajo Fall at a racetrack. That's all I can say to you. They look like two old gay guys living together in an apartment in Chicago near a racetrack. I don't quite understand how we are supposed to take them seriously. And sometimes during their dialogues, I turn the sound off and I feel like I'm watching uh, Lacajo Fall again. And yet we're supposed to take this seriously. Now, how is an American um, absorber of popular culture supposed to know art from schmaltz, good from bad, when a guy like Hoffman thinks he can get away with being an actor? And an old, you know, skanky singer who was good 20 years ago has the, 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 the nerve, the nerve to sell herself to NBC and get on and do a halftime number that was laughable. How can they know what art is? I say to myself as I don't eat a pizza. Savage. Home of borders. Language. Culture. The Savage Nation. Obama and Axelrod are acting like the cats that ate the cream because of the damage uh, that uh, 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 the fatso has done to, to Ramney and, uh, and the others. And, of course, then you've got the, the, the fake job figures. Everyone knows he didn't create three million jobs. That's nonsense. And nobody on the Republican side has attacked him on his failures, which is what they should have been doing through the entire campaign. If the RNC had any brains, which I doubt that they do, they're just a power uh, a powerful organization with unlimited funding by old money, primarily. And the RNC is funded by old money and tr giant corporations, and there's nothing wrong with old money nor giant corporations, but they tend to be rather prehistoric in their in their political uh, activities rather than able to flex along the lines of uh, the very, very skillful Obama machine, which is able to get away with virtually anything. So therefore, one of the greatest disasters that Obama has uh, indulged in is the Arab uh, disaster, the Arab disaster ac across the Arab Crescent, stabbing Israel in the back while basically supporting uh, the enemies of Israel, letting the Syrian dictator kill thousands of people and doing nothing. One policy error after another, losing the most advanced drone in history, 23 Navy SEALs killed in one swoop on a, on a, uh, um, on a helicopter, a story that is yet to be told, yet to be told, an investigation that is yet to be done by the military, more Navy SEALs lost in one uh, accident, so to speak, than all SEALs lost in all campaigns in the history of the SEAL unit, all under the commander-in-chief. Who put those Navy SEALs on one old, slow-flying Chinook helicopter? 
Why has there been no outcry in Congress? Why has there been no investigation of the commander-in-chief's decision, if it was his, in fact? And if it wasn't the commander-in-chief's decision to kill all of those SEALs by accidentally putting them on one slow-flying helicopter, flying them into a danger zone, who did that? Who in the military told them to do that? Who? Sounds very much like uh, another scandalous situation along the lines of uh, Fast and Furious Guns to Mexico, where Lanny Brewer, a lifetime left-wing fanatic Democrat lawyer, uh, was the one behind smuggling the guns to uh, to Mexico, which resulted in the death of Brian Terry uh, and many, many deaths in, in Mexico. Was it another fanatic, subterranean communist lawyer inside the Defense Department who said, put them all into that helicopter? Who did this? Savage. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.